here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 today's one of those days ladies and gentlemen where we go to constitutional class where we go to law school together on a couple of areas declassification and also contempt What do you do if you're Republicans in the House and you seek to hold somebody in contempt because they will not cooperate and that person might be the Attorney General of the United States who has the power to determine whether a U.S. attorney will prosecute or not? Interesting question, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? And I try to make this very compelling to you, so... uh, You will not hear much repetition from prior shows or prior days from other shows. We've been right about, I think, everything. The National Guard, National Guard, the National Archives is now telling the former presidents and vice presidents, what are they telling them to do, Mr. Producer? What I've been saying, they've told them now, you need to do searches, fresh searches of your homes, of your offices, of your libraries and so forth. Because you have an ongoing obligation, and we want to make sure he didn't keep some documents behind. I mean, I said the question that needs to be asked is not what happened on the day that they left and the archives collected this, that, or the other, but have you looked for any classified documents lately? Because in the case of Biden and in the case of Pence, they both had said they didn't have them, and yet... When somebody started to look, they did have them. But we'll get into that later, the National Archives. Another issue where USA Today, in my view, was lying, and other media outlets are lying, and people are regurgitating what they, what they say, is that a president and a vice president stand in the same position when it comes to declassification. I've been getting this question over and over again, 
especially since a phony USA Today article appeared. Now, I want you to stick with me. And I want to give kudos to James Freeman of the Wall Street Journal. James Freeman. I've known his parents for 40 years. It's not that I'm in touch with them all the time. For 40 years, the first position I held in the Reagan administration, I went into a building. I was 22, 23 years old. And there was James' father, Neil. I'm assuming it's the same family. And he's got it exactly right. And he says a popular media defense of the president collapses. He's completely naked, they say. One nice thing about being President Joe Biden is that sometimes media outlets will make arguments on your behalf that you're not even willing to attempt on your own. Witness journalists responding to the news of government secrets casually strewn around Biden's property. Some have been suggesting Biden received significant authority over classified documents while serving as vice president during the Obama administration. There are many reasons why Mr. Biden doesn't seem to find this argument as compelling as his friends in the media do. Now, the latest discoveries at his Delaware home seem to confirm that the argument is irrelevant. They also suggest a much greater legal danger for this president. The discovery of classified records from Mr. Biden's time in the Senate means he cannot claim the protection of an Obama order, the Presidential Records Act, or any other type of executive privilege. One can understand why media folk did not want to concede the possibility that Donald Trump might have a greater claim to the documents at Mar-a-Lago than Joe Biden does to the documents found in his private office, home, and garage. And by the way, has anyone looked under the seats of the Amtrak Northeast Regional? Last week, this column noted, it makes sense that Mr. Biden and his lawyers are not trying to claim that as a former vice president, he enjoyed some authority to keep such documents. It is the president. Now, I've been saying this for months since August. It is the president, not the vice president, who holds all the constitutional authority as commander in chief and therefore authority over the classification system for national security secrets. Presumably, if either President Obama or President Trump had ordered the documents to be stored in various Biden locales, this fact would have come to light by now. Moreover, the vice president is explicitly expected from the section of the Presidential Records Act entitled Constitutionally Based Privileged Against Disclosure. Former presidents are thus empowered to contest the determination of the National Archives in a way that former vice presidents are not. And that's exactly what Donald Trump was doing when they tried to set him up with obstruction. And I've said it over and over and over again to the point where many of you are probably tired of it, but I have to get it out. In short, Mr. Biden has no argument to make. And he's not making one. Rather, he's claiming to have been left completely in the dark about how classified documents from secure government facilities ended up in his office, his home, and his garage. Since then, PolitiFact has joined in the course touting Mr. Biden's vice presidential privileges. Did Biden have the power to declassify documents while he was vice president? They say the short answer is yes. Another, another group of flat-out liars. The official documents that govern classification and declassification are from presidential executive orders. And in 2009, Obama issued Executive Order 13526, 
the classified national security information. Section 1-3 of that order gives the president and vice president original classification authority, which means authority to initiate classifying information. Readers are bound to stumble on that last sentence for a few reasons. The president already held, <coughs> excuse me, robust constitutional authority, and he didn't need to issue an executive order authorizing himself to exercise power over the classification system. The passage also may seem to suggest the vice president was given the same authority as the president. But of course, the United States government has a unitary executive, not a binary one. One executive, the president. That's it. And reading the Obama executive order, one finds that Mr. Biden was given the same authority over classified documents as various other senior government officials, not some special Obama bequeathed superpower. In other words, he's to be treated as no bigger than or better than, than a cabinet secretary. Also, I've been saying for months. PolitiFact, by the way, is some left-wing operation. And it continues its story of the Obama executive order. Section 3.1 says information shall be declassif- declassified or derongraded by, among others, the official who authorized the original classification, if that official is still serving in the same position that has original classification authority. This means that because Biden had original classification authority as vice president, he also had authority to declassify information that he had classified in the first place. Exactly what I said. That's not classification or declassification at will. At will. We don't know who initiated the classifications on the documents found in Biden's home and office. But we do know that vice presidents are usually consumers, not producers, of classified reports. And therefore, it's highly unlikely he had the authority to declassify all the material found in his various private spaces. If the documents contain information on military capabilities or methods and sources of intelligence, does anyone think that Mr. Biden was in the field collecting and then classifying such secrets? And if he actually did have the authority to declassify all these documents and he followed the declassification process dictated by the Obama rules, there would be nothing to investigate. And speaking of the 2009 executive order, it seems that just like Biden, Mike Pence also doesn't seem to think he was imbued with vice presidential superpowers by Barack Obama. And I would add these vice presidential superpowers, as I said repeatedly, including yesterday, President does not have the authority to delegate core constitutional powers to anybody. For instance, as I said, he can't say, you know what, I'm tired of being commander-in-chief. I delegate those powers to the Secretary of Agriculture. Or, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of busy here uh, dealing with the uh, economy and the environment. Uh, For now on, the Attorney General will make the nominations to the Supreme Court. Can't do that either. Can't do that either. This brings us to the latest Biden uh, revelation, he says. The journal's Andrew Restuccia reports that Mr. Biden's personal lawyer, Bob Bauer, announced that a Justice Department search of the president's home in Wilmington prompted authorities to take possession of six additional items with classified markings. 
where the initial classified documents appear to be from Biden's time as vice president. Mr. Bauer said last Saturday that the latest items collected by federal agents included items from Mr. Mr. Biden's tenure in the Senate, which, of course, doesn't affect any of the executive uh, protections and privileges. And in fact, I would say, what are they waiting for? They need to get to the University of Delaware and get their hands on those documents. Time to clarify who exactly is expected to follow the law and protect America's secrets. So James Freeman is, to my knowledge, the single writer, whether opinion writer or journalist, to understand this. You've understood it for, what is it now, Mr. Producer, six or seven months? You've understood it since last summer. You've understood it since I went on first Hannity show, my own Sunday show. Maybe it was even July and explained this in exquisite detail. The media are filled with frauds. Now, and so are these legal analysts and the phony professors. Next subject. James Comer has said on numerous programs that the Department of Justice is not forthcoming. That the White House is not forthcoming. That the National Archives will not produce information and missed its deadlines. Make no mistake, this is an investigation of the executive branch. This is an investigation of the Biden administration. This is an investigation of a corrupt FBI, a corrupt DOJ, a corrupt National Archives, and a corrupt president. Now, what if you do if these corrupt entities circle the wagons and say, sorry, we have an investigative exception here, and we have executive privilege, we, uh, we're busy, we'll try and work with you, but blah, blah, blah. What do you do when they're covering up? Well, let's talk about that. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you've saved at least $100,000 for retirement, Augusta Precious Metals could help you protect it with a gold IRA. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. No pressure, just facts. Retirees have it worse because there's no time to catch up when the value of what you've saved for decades is crashing. But you can protect yourself with physical gold from Augusta Precious Metals. If you have at least $100,000 saved in your IRA or your 401k, please call my friends at Augusta Precious Metals today. They'll send you a free gold IRA guide. Call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you and they'll pay all your fees for up to 10 years. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision and visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. Only a few minutes here. Let me set this up. National Archives, according to Axios, did not meet the Tuesday deadline to turn over requested materials to the House Committee on Oversight. That's chaired by uh, James Comer. National Archives has not produced the requested documents to the committee at this time. Chairman Comer's request still stands, anticipates moving forward with a transcribed interview with NARA's general counsel soon. 
The archives didn't immediately return Axel's request for comment, but has said it needs to consult with the Department of Justice before sharing information. Of course, you know how that works. So you have a, uh, a, a more than an iron triangle, an iron octagon of executive branch cover-up taking place now, and you have a separation of powers issue. Uh, under Article 1, we know what's in Article 1, and we know what's in Article 2, and we know what's in Article 3, and we know what's in Article 5, as unlike a, a judicial nominee by the Biden administration. Maybe we'll have time to get into that later. All that said, the problem is if Congress doesn't enforce its implied powers at oversight, implied because they are, and the court has recognized this, powers that that are linked to legislative powers, if they're legitimate oversight activities, unlike getting Trump's taxes in order to leak them, then Congress has no power. Then Congress is denuding itself. In order to make spending decisions and taxing decisions and barring decisions, which come out of the House, are supposed to, unless Mitch McConnell and Schumer are doing their thing in the Senate, they need to know how various aspects of the government are functioning. And the bureaucracy sits in the executive branch, not in the legislative branch. Now, if the executive branch is under investigation for ubiquitous acts of illegality or partisan politics, uh, politics and the executive branch says no, I want you to think about this. What if Ronald Reagan had said no during the Iran situation? What if Nixon had said no during the Watergate situation? We have a lot of situations that would never have been investigated. The Biden administration is the least transparent administration in modern American history. Period. Just the way it is. So what can Congress do? Well, believe it or not, Congress has a few options. I touched on them Sunday night on Life, Liberty, and Levin, but there's others, and I want to expand on them, in part to, obviously, to inform you, the American people, but also to inform the Republicans on Capitol Hill, right here, behind the mic. If you've saved at least $100,000 for retirement, Augusta Precious Metals could help you protect it with a gold IRA. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. No pressure, just facts. Retirees have it worse because there's no time to catch up when the value of what you've saved for decades is crashing. But you can protect yourself with physical gold from Augusta Precious Metals. If you have at least $100,000 saved in your IRA or your 401k, please call my friends at Augusta Precious Metals today. They'll send you a free gold IRA guide. Call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you, and they'll pay all your fees for up to 10 years. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision and visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. All right, I'm hearing voices. Anyway, um, 
I'd mentioned to you that there's no way the prior officials had 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 their homes or offices searched. I was challenged by somebody who said, I don't know that. How do you know that? Because they would have said so. And this this stuff about uh, the media asking and and these ex-presidents and ex-vice presidents saying, uh, you know, when we left, everything was turned over. And, but nobody asked you that. The question is whether you have today. But the proper question is, any classified information and has anybody searched for it? That's the question. And the answer is no, they didn't. Now, how do we know that? Because the archives has now said that all of these individuals need to go back and look that it's an ongoing obligation. Now, the National Archives is is a stickler for following the law, isn't it? Except it doesn't. Joe Biden purloined some of Barack Obama's documents. He was the head of the executive branch. He was the president. So even the statement that his propagandists put out wasn't accurate, that the archives took all of it. We know the archives isn't properly tracking classified information. How do we know it? Because it's everywhere. That's how we know. We know Joe Biden, as a matter of fact, did not have the authority to declassify what he took. We know for a fact that the material he took from the Senate uh they have a skiff. These senators say there's no way you can do it. There is one way you can do it. The Sandy Burglar way. Shove it down your pants, stick it in your jacket. You know? So he, he knew what he was doing when he took it out of the Senate, too. He stole the documents. And notice, none of the legal analysts and none of the morons on CNN and MSNBC... I don't think any news host has pointed out. Uh, hello. He stole those documents. Those weren't misplaced. Somebody didn't do that for him. Oh, look at this. We have a fall guy. Don't worry. We'll take care of your payments. We've already talked to Hunter. No. Joe had to do it himself. That's what happened. Now, what do we do when you have obstruction and cover-up, real obstruction and cover-up from an administration? Starting at the top at the White House, then at the Department of Justice, the FBI, then the National Archives. What do you do? It's not easy. Simplest thing you can do, and real power that the House has, is the power of the purse. Even in these negotiations over the debt ceiling... They're not without options. There's a couple things they can do, and they can get creative, and they can do it. Flat out. They can take the Levin recommendation and slash the Department of Justice budget, and that includes the FBI, by 20%. That's discretionary spending. It's not a so-called entitlement. And transfer that money to the Border Patrol and ICE that needs it desperately. Agree to cut it only 10%. 
if they provide the information demanded by Jim Jordan and his committees and Comer and other committees, including the Intelligence Committee, I should mention. Mike Turner over there. So slash their budget regardless, help the Border Patrol on ICE, but slash it more if they're not responsive. And if the Senate won't go along, then duke it out. That's worth duking out. There's also, based on separation of powers issues, it's a little more complex. It may take a little bit too much time, but it is what it is. The fact is the House of Representatives can hold somebody in contempt. Goes from a committee. You saw what uh, Dizzy Lizzy did and Headcase Kingsinger did and the rest of the band of reprobates. So what they can do is then have the Republicans vote to hold certain executive officials in contempt. Now that said, you do have problems like the Sparks and Mace, two goofballs, kind of gadflies. Hey, look, uh, I believe in equity. Uh, We believe in the rule of law. So what do you do? And by the way, along with cutting the budget, you can cut personnel, too. You can target it or do it across the board. But what else can you do as a legal matter? You know, when the Constitution came into existence, there was no Department of Justice. There were no U.S. attorneys. But Congress did hold certain individuals in contempt, nonetheless. Well, how did that work? Congress enforced its own contempt citations. Now listen to me. You can read this also in the Congressional Research Service. I wanted to see if they had covered it, and they have. It's called implied or inherent contempt power. But what does all that mean? It means that if Congress can be ignored by the other elected branch of government, it cannot carry out its functions then it's not a co-equal branch anymore. So there's a balancing act between the branches. But Congress has, as it's implied, an inherent or implied power to hold individuals and public officials in contempt. It hasn't been used since the 1930s. I'm doing this by memory now. I believe it was in the 1870s that it was done, I believe, to a uh, uh, to an individual, to a to an ambassador. Now, as you can imagine, this might take a little while to handle it, but Congress can also put that on an expedited process or procedure again as a matter of legislation. They could tie it to this budget, and even the Supreme Court has upheld this. Now, the Supreme Court is loathed to get involved in these situations, but thanks to John Roberts, when it came to Trump and his taxes and the battles between the executive branch and the congressional branch, he's opened the door wide here, and he should not have. That is, for Congress to enforce 
their subpoenas. Trump told his accountants, don't give them my tax returns. So his accountants were subpoenaed. Trump intervened and said no, went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they ruled against him. And he wasn't covering up anything. It was the principle. Case was Trump versus, I believe it was Mason's, something like that, in 2020. This general area implied or inherent contempt of power. The Supreme Court has said on a couple of occasions that it is a a real power through the necessary and proper clause. Now, what does that mean? The Constitution says Congress has the power to, quote, make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers, and that would include legislating, obviously, spending, taxing. The necessary and proper clause, as applies to Congress, authorizes Congress to act, particularly in a case like here, with the people who literally, we're not talking about the Department of Agriculture, the Department of Education, Department of Energy. We're talking about the Department of Justice. We're talking about the FBI. We're talking about the offices of the United States attorneys. They're not going to charge themselves. They're not going to investigate themselves. They have a conflict of interest, let alone a separation of powers issue. So they're not going to do it. So does that mean Congress is finished? They can never really pursue the Justice Department or the F- No. They may have to dust off the implied or inherent contempt power. You're now learning more than any member of Congress knows. And virtually any constitutional lawyer knows. Because this is what I do. This is what I live and breathe and study. Stick with me. Stick with me. So the necessary and proper clause is really the basis. If Congress cannot get information then they might as well shut down the Intelligence Committee, the Judiciary Committee, and the Oversight Committee. That means the executive branch is all-powerful. doesn't mean you go on fishing expeditions like the January 6th Committee and you go after private citizens and their lawyers. It's not what we're talking about here. They want to know how these classified documents wound up where they are and what's in them. And the FBI that was created by I guess Theodore Roosevelt and the Department of Justice that was created by Ulysses S. Grant. They're not in the Constitution. They don't have plenary power and superior power to Congress. If there are particular issues that could raise questions involving, say, the Bill of Rights, freedom of speech, due process, uh, warrants, that sort of that sort of thing. Then, of course, you have a constitutional or constitutional issues there. It's understandable. When you have separation of powers issues, they can be very complex issues. But that doesn't mean the executive branch can just cover up, cover up, and protect its own potential miscreants and malcontents. How does Congress determine how much money should go to the FBI? How does Congress determine how much money should go to federal prosecutors or a U.S. attorney's office? How does Congress determine how many personnel should be in those offices? How does Congress determine whether the classification system in the executive branch is functioning properly? Or the National Archives is? Or if the FBI is partisan and not impartial? 
and it's using the power of federal laws passed by Congress against one party or another. How does Congress determine whether to impeach a sitting attorney general of the United States if he's involved in cover-ups? You get my point? That doesn't mean the legislature, Congress, can't be tyrannical, of course. But in this case, the door has been slammed shut. The National Archives won't give the House anything. The Department of Justice has already indicated, we're going to make you fight for every, every syllable on every piece of paper in every paragraph. Merrick Garland does not merit a reasonableness belief when he targets Trump, when he targets Republican members of the House, when he appoints a rogue special counsel. No. When he refuses to enforce federal law to secure the border, when he refuses to enforce federal law to protect Supreme Court justices, when he unleashes the full power and resources of the United States Department of Justice against parents, And against pro-lifers? No, 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 no. He doesn't merit any consideration. And he, in particular, is among those who should be prioritized for the potential use of implied or inherent contempt. Now, what does this mean? Okay, Congress puts this out. You ready for the guts of the matter? means they can set out the sergeant of arms to arrest an official who refuses to comply and put him in jail until he or she does comply. What do you think of that? It's true. The criminal contempt statute, that is the usual way to proceed, was not enacted until 1857. This power that Congress has, implied or inherent, has existed since Congress was created by the Constitution. I want to discuss this a little bit further in depth when we return. Am I good, Mr. Producer, on the sponsors? We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you've saved at least $100,000 for retirement, Augusta Precious Metals could help you protect it with a gold IRA. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. No pressure, just facts. Retirees have it worse because there's no time to catch up when the value of what you've saved for decades is crashing. But you can protect yourself with physical gold from Augusta Precious Metals. If you have at least $100,000 saved in your IRA or your 401k, please call my friends at Augusta Precious Metals today. They'll send you a free gold IRA guide. Call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you and they'll pay all your fees for up to 10 years. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision and visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. Xander Hughes, you know, you have the Bill of Rights, 
due process and all the rest of this. Well, the court has spoken to that. And the Supreme Court said the subject of trial for contempt of Congress is not afforded the same procedural protections as a defendant in a criminal trial. Said that in 1972, the past decisions of this court strongly indicate that the panoply of procedural rights that are accorded a defendant in a criminal trial have never been thought necessary in legislative contempt proceedings. The customary practice in Congress has been to provide the contemnor with an opportunity to appear before the bar of the House or before a committee and give answer to the misconduct charged against him. So clearly the standards are much, much lower. Much, much lower. Could take time. Don't get me wrong. I said it hasn't been done since the 1930s. It's not always successful. But it can be done. Now, the House of Representatives, the majority has a very small majority, and you have a couple of uh, boneheads in there. These boneheads are different. They are the liberal rhino Republicans who don't believe that when the Democrats come to fight in a UFC style, they believe that you should be limited to slapping the other side with mittens on. Or they come to a gunfight and we bring a knife, as they say. People like Mace and others who are truly becoming increasingly pathetic. Do I have enough time to Jump into another thought I don't. I only have 25 seconds here. We'll be back. I want to pursue this a little bit further. We will then move on. But I want to thank you for listening, and I know this is why you listen to this program. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Washington Examiner, Ryan King. Senators live in Biden administration, stonewalling them on classified documents. I mean, this really is a corrupt, corrupt administration and a crooked president and family. Senators from both parties are going impatient with the intelligence community's alleged refusal to show them classified material recovered from multiple administrations. Some are alleging that even members with the highest security clearance, such as those who sit on the Senate Intel Committee, are being obstructed from reviewing the recent batches of classified files recovered from President Biden and former President Trump. I'm very disappointed with the lack of Detail on timeline, and what we're going to get a briefing, and he goes on, does Mark Warner. 
And he previously vented his frustrations um, about Mar-a-Lago, they say. Well, then what happens now? They know far more about Biden, uh, excuse me, about Trump's documents than they do about Biden's. And I don't believe this story. I believe it was a lie that's been bouncing around where they said that if Biden had not cooperated in his lawyers with DOJ, that they were, you know, hair trigger on a warrant. I don't believe that for two seconds. They're trying to cover up and leak again the fact that they didn't issue a warrant and never intended to issue a warrant. What is going on with the documents at the University of Delaware right now? Ladies and gentlemen, you and I, when we think together, when you listen to this show, we're 10 steps ahead of everybody. They need to jump into those. I've been saying it for days now. Once the Senate records popped up, they need to jump into this stuff now. Well, how do you know they're not, Mark? How do you think I know they're not? Because no information is available. Because I know how Washington works. I know how the FBI lies. How does anybody think I knew in March 2017 that the FBI was spying on Donald Trump? Put together a few articles, and there it is. Well, here we have no articles. If you're going to go and get documents or look at them at the University of Delaware, you're going to have scores of people with knowledge. The FBI is going to show up, right? What are they going to be dressed in? Are they going to be dressed up as, uh, what are they going to be dressed up as, Mr. Producer? Harry Krishna on the uh, college campus? That's true. They could send Ray Epps in there. Brilliant. They could send Ray Epps in there. And nobody will ask any questions in the FBI. Of course, they'll be doing it. So there's a huge cover-up going on right now. There's been a cover-up going on. There's been a cover-up going on since November 2nd. Maybe before. We still don't know what happened before November 2nd. And the guy leading the cover-up was the Attorney General of the United States. Now what's he going to do? He's not going to answer. If they give this, it's an ongoing investigation. It's being investigated by the special counsel. The Republicans really need to consider certainly some of what I just discussed with you. They cannot allow the Biden administration to destroy the Republican majority's ability to keep oversight of what has to be the most corrupt administration in American history, the most dishonest administration in American history, perhaps the most unconstitutional administration in American history, as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned, that's right. All right. Now, what about Nancy Pelosi? Maybe she should uh, use an exorcist on her bank accounts and investments, Mr. Producer. As the Washington Free Beacon, another great site, points out, convenient timing, Pelosi sold $3 million of Google stock just weeks before the Department of Justice launched antitrust probe. You know what? This woman should be in an orange suit in the same cell as Hillary Clinton. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what they've gotten away with. What all these damn Democrats get away with. 
by Chuck Ross, Representative Nancy Pelosi, and her multimillionaire husband, Big Dumb Paul, sold up to $3 million in shares of Google in recent weeks. I thought he was kind of holed up, Mr. Producer, but he, apparently he knows when to act. Just before the Biden Justice Department launched an antitrust probe of the tech giant. Now, let, let's stop a second. They would already be writing impeachment papers for Donald Trump if this came out, right? They would already be holding ethics committee hearings on, on a member of the House who was Republicans. They'd want to they'd grab their cell phones. And this has been going on way too much with this Pelosi crime family, too. They have made tens of millions of dollars just at the right time buying and selling stocks. She's in charge of all the legislation. She and she alone, that's how she operated in the House. Oh, but she's iconic. She's the first woman. But don't say woman. We don't say woman here, no. But she's the first woman, don't say it. But the first woman, don't say it, to be Speaker of the House. Twice. Yeah. And she lost the speakership twice. First woman to do that. Uh, Don't say woman. But yes, first woman, don't say it. The trade proved timely. On Monday, the Department of Justice and Attorneys General from eight states, including California, sued Google over its monopoly on the digital ad market. The lawsuit could force Google to break up its online ad business, which generated nearly $55 billion in revenue for the company in the most recent quarter. Google's stock has dropped almost 6% since the Justice Department announced the lawsuit. But, of course, the Pelosi crime family traded their stock three weeks before. Sold it. They saved roughly $600,000 in June by selling shares of microchip maker NVIDIA weeks before the U.S. government placed restrictions on that company's business in China and Russia. The Pelosi's have seen their fortune grow $140 million since 2008. Thanks largely to Paul Pelosi's stock trades, according to the Washington Free Beacon analysis. Now, look, we know enough about Paul. You know, they used to hide him in a closet. Then he had his DUI. Then he was assaulted horribly, horribly. So we've seen more of him. We've we heard from him before when he was actually uh, relatively cogent and uh, not drinking. And uh, guy's a dumb guy. He's a dumb guy. Pelosi's stock market charades have sparked calls for tougher regulations on members of Congress cashing in on their positions of power. So there they are. They made $140 million since 2008 on stock trades. Stock trades. Most of you say, I made a lot of money with my stock. You weren't trading stock. He's trading. He's buying on the high side, the low side, you know, bottom up, middle out. Josh Hawley introduced the Preventing Elected Leaders from Owning Securities and Investments Act. (laughs) Or the Pelosi Act. That's very good. To prohibit members of Congress and their spouses from owning or trading individual stocks. For too long, politicians in Washington have taken advantage of the economic system they write the rules for, turning profits for themselves at the expense of the American people. Have you noticed Democrats when they leave office, are always much wealthier than when they got into office. Biden leaves office, he's got mansions. Al Gore leaves office, 
He's like he's like a, a, a Scientology guy when he looks at you in the face. He's got, you know, his eyes popping out of his head with the really, really translucent skin and sounds as dumb as they come. Guy's worth like a quarter of a billion dollars. Then we have the Clintons raking it in left. And we have the Clinton, the Clinton Center. Clinton Center for what? Then we create the think tank for Joe Robinette Biden Jr. of Scranton. Lunch pocket Joe. And uh, guy's worth millions. Chinese can't get him money fast enough. They devised 50 different ways. Hey, I have an idea. We'll work with the University of Pennsylvania. We'll set up a think tank. Joe, that doesn't really work with you. It's okay. We'll set up a think tank. And uh, we'll get you 900000 maybe a million. Communist Chinese money. We'll make sure Hunter helps you. And Hunter... Hunter hangs out at the house in Wilmington, and he's paying $50,000 a month in rent. Now, as big and beautiful as that house is, it ain't worth $50,000 a month. So people are wondering, wait a minute. Is that 10% for the big guy? What is that? And, of course, over there at the United States Department of Injustice with Meritless Garland, he's the Helen Keller of the attorneys general when it comes to Joe Biden and his own party. And, you know, we treat everybody with equity here. We follow the law and the facts. And then we twist them into a pretzel like hell in order to protect our guys and go after the others. That's the unsaid part. But Pelosi needs to be investigated. They all need to be, but they're not going to. They grabbed a hold of the Department of Justice by the throat. They've grabbed a hold of the FBI. They grabbed a hold of these U.S. attorney's offices. It's like a, a Marxist party or a fascistic regime. I mean, they unleash them against parents and pro-lifers and so forth. I mean, think about this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Joe Biden is hurriedly trying to pack the courts, and he's succeeding with help from some Republicans. 
like our buddy Lindsey Graham, but others too. Mitch McConnell, you know, the usual suspects. Susan Collins, uh, Murkowski, um, so forth and so on. Well, there's a Biden nominee to be a U.S. District Court judge, federal, for the Eastern District of Washington State. Her name is Charnell, and I'll spell the last one, B-J-E-L-K-E-N-G-R-E-N. I've learned a long time ago, if you can't pronounce something, just say it fast. And the, the really outstanding senator, quite frankly, John Kennedy of Louisiana, who's got a few basic questions for her. Cut 14, go. Judge on the far end, uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. Okay. Do you know what purposivism is? Um, In my 12 years as an assistant attorney general and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question. Um, We are the highest trial court in Washington state, so I'm frequently faced with um, issues that I'm not familiar with. And I thoroughly review the law, our research, and apply the law to the facts okay. presented to me. Well, you're going to be faced with it as a, if you're confirmed. I can assure you of that. Okay. You folks know what Article 2 is? It's, you know, we have three branches. I would tell the judge and the federal government, as most states do. I think they all do. We have in Article 1, Congress is created. Article 2, the presidency and the executive branch is created. In Article 3, the courts. And, of course, they extend beyond that, but that's the basic stuff. And so Biden will never nominate me. Uh, for that reason alone, I would think. Right, Mr. Producer? Article 5, of course, here we know what that is, Convention of States. But Article 5 is the is the clause that spells out how you amend the Constitution of the United States. It's still important. Proposivism is um, a manner in which you, let's see, interpret the Constitution or interpret laws, interpret statutes. What's the law's purpose? Proposivism, purpose. Um, I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it. And it uh, doesn't really matter that much. It's a modern principle in the construction of the Constitution. I don't need a modern principle. But I know what he's getting at. He wants to know if that's her view. So she doesn't know what that means. Now, I would make a suggestion. Anybody who's nominated to be a federal judge, you might want to at least read the Constitution once to know essentially, you know, even generally what's in it. Article 1, 2, 3 might be good ones, and maybe the Bill of Rights. You could probably slide through, depending if you hit all the ethnicity, gender, and ideological boxes. Uh, that really is what they care about today. Uh, 
and the Biden administration and the American Bar Association and all the rest of it. So you could probably slide through if you know what Article 1, 2, 3 and the Bill of Rights say. I'm just saying. And of course, the post-Civil War amendments, 13, 14th and 15, particularly the 14th. You should do okay. And yet we have a justice right there on the Supreme Court, Justice Jackson. And Justice Jackson is the first to, first African-American woman. Don't say woman. I mean woman. No, no, don't say it. Woman. Don't say it. Woman. Don't say it. Anyway, she is the first African-American person, birthing person, excuse me, to be on the United States Supreme Court. And when she was asked in writing if she believes in natural law, which is set out in the Declaration of Independence, She responded in writing that it's not really something she's given a lot of thought to. She's a liar. She's given a lot of thought to it. But essential truths, God-given rights, the Declaration of Independence, they don't fit in with the modern American Marxist ideology. How can they? They don't. And neither does the Constitution. We've talked about this many, many times over the last 20 years. So even though they swear to uphold the Constitution and faithfully execute it, their fingers are crossed. They don't believe that for two seconds. They'll mention the Constitution. They'll try and find a way to use it to advance their cause. But that's the truth. Now, I wonder if Miss, I wonder if she will get confirmed. Um, she's got all the qualifications for a Biden judge. In fact, for the Democrat Party, she has all the qualifications to be president of the United States. I'll be right back. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Mark Levin tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. We all know the economy is bad. I'm hearing today, oh, it's actually, are you kidding me? Gasoline prices in my neighborhood went up 20 cents in 48 hours, Mr. Producer. 20 cents a gallon. Now, I can handle it, but a lot of people cannot. And that... That flows throughout the, in, the economy. 
and egg prices are crazy. You know what I paid for an egg salad sandwich today, Mr. Producer? $8.95. Two pieces of toasted bread, a piece of lettuce, and egg salad. I don't hold it against the restaurant. I'm all for them. They've got, you know, waitresses. They have utility bills. <coughs> they have all kinds of taxes. They have issues with some... The price of a, of a medium-sized 12, a carton of 12 eggs, I looked at that today, too. It's four ninety five. Four dollars and ninety five cents. I looked at a roll of the generic tin foil, aluminum foil, call it whatever you want. I think it was seventy five, what do they call it? Feet or yard, whatever it was. You know what it was? Fifteen dollars and ninety nine cents. How do people make ends meet? And, and in Washington and in the media, everything's fine. Why? Because they're all overpaid slobs. That's why. They're fine. Have you looked at your electric bill lately? Or those of you who get propane, that's going through the roof? Or natural gas? Some places you can't even get it? It's crazy. Yeah, but the statistics show, and by the way, when Reagan was president, the economy grew at 6.9%. I remember one year was like 7.4%. He busted out of the Carter. Horrific recession. And in two years' time, this country was growing so fast, it was so prosperous, so many jobs. And then they said, and Biden did this today, trickle down doesn't work. No, trickle down doesn't work. Trickle down. It works down your leg, you creep. How much you want to bet? I'll bet. Obviously, people need Depends. I got it, so forth and so on. But when I look at him, I'm thinking, you're wearing Depends, aren't you? That's why he's shuffling. That's why he walks that way. That's why he has to get the hell off the stage as fast as he can. Where's Dr. Jill? Uh, Anyway, um, Cory Booker, we haven't heard from him lately, and there's a reason why. And I'm about to show you. Senate Asylum is a right press conference today. So all the radical leftists are saying now, asylum for foreigners is a right. It's a right. So you could have a billion people, theoretically, maybe even literally, who say, I need asylum. Look, I, 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 I've got a doctor, I, I, a hemorrhoid, I can't get in here. Uh, you know, or they can make up a thousand different reasons. So now, asylum is a right. And then if you say, obviously, uh, you're trying to change the demographics in the country, the nature is, oh, you must be a white supremacist, uh, replacement theory. What are they saying here? That asylum is a right. Should the word go out throughout the world, asylum is a right, come on in, come on in. No country can survive this, none. And no country will survive this or can survive this. Here's Cory Booker at the Asylum is a Right press conference, and he's intoning about what the radical left always does, and it's sickening. makes me sick to my stomach. Go. We know our history. We are at our best when times are tough 
that we don't abandon our common values, but we adhere to them more strongly. And yes, we have dark chapters, chapters, like when the St. Louis during the Holocaust sailed to our shores and was turned around where folks were sent back to those horrors and many died. And who was the president? Franklin Roosevelt. And which party did that? The Democrat Party. And where were all the anti-Semites around Franklin Roosevelt, many of them, and in the State Department? But putting that aside for now, what the hell is this fool talking about? We've had over 5 million people enter this country illegally in two years. Not even seeking asylum. Just seeking to get here. What is this clown talking about? And, in the, and they always bring up the Jews. There were six million Jews who were slaughtered. That was the, that was the focus of the extermination by Hitler and the Third Reich. In ovens. In gas chambers. In mass graves. You've seen the black and white film. You know what I'm talking about. How in the world do you compare that to the hordes of people from all over the world, many of whom are not suffering, they just want to get here, to that? And then they claim that they, the Cory Bookers of the world, represent the true history and morality of America. Think about this. And nobody will condemn him in the Senate. Nobody. They get away with this stuff. It's just unbelievable to me. Then you have Ed Markey from Massachusetts. This guy is a putz times ten. And of course, Massachusetts sends us the worst of the worst. This guy... Uh, what's Edwina's name? I forget her name. Warren. Yes, Edwina, I call her. Cut 15, go. Donald Trump spearheaded a campaign to implement inhumane and immoral immigration policies. So if you secure the border and you require people to follow the laws that Congress passed, you're inhumane. And notice they can't stop talking about Donald Trump. And they won't talk about Joe Biden. And nobody will ask Ed Markey how many women have been raped now going across that border. How much fentanyl is enough? How many people are in the sex trade now against their will? How many are indentured servants for paying the drug cartels and others to get to the United States? How many little girls have been molested and little boys? Where are all these people? Ed Markey doesn't have an answer because Ed Markey, Booker, AOC, the rest, they don't give a damn about any of these people. And they don't give a damn about this country. People who come here illegally actually are suffering in order to get here. Many are dying. Many of them are criminals. MS-13, who are going to wreak havoc in the United States. And we've got example after example after example of American citizens being killed. 
You see what's happening in New York? The lawlessness, staying at $500, $600 a night hotels, and during the day, shoplifting tens of thousands of dollars with no consequence, not even being deported. People are suffering now as a result of these policies on both sides of the border. But we have handed the southern border over the drug cartels. And they're now in our cities. And Ed Markey stands there, this jackass. And attacks Donald Trump. This, this puke. And they act like it's a matter that we're going to give up our morals and our, and our history if we don't let people in willy-nilly. The hell do they think they are? We know exactly what these people are doing on the left. You push abortion for American citizens and you have the borders wide open? And let me tell you a little secret. Let me tell you a little secret. These millions and millions of illegal aliens who've come over the last two years, if they have babies, they become United States citizens. The babies do, and then you have chain migration. What's happening now cannot be reversed. It could be stopped, but it cannot be reversed. It cannot be reversed. Who passed a law saying that if somebody comes here illegally and gives birth, that that child is an American citizen? Nobody. Nobody. If you're from France and you're visiting America on a trip, I went to see the Liberty Bell. And they come in and they see the Liberty Bell. Or they want to see, I went to see the Statue of Liberty, uh, which, of course, they gave to us. And... Uh, and you're pregnant and you have a baby and they're a visitor and they go back to France and you say, no, my, my baby's French. And they're right. Their baby's French. But if you sneak across the border illegally, your baby's American. Figure it out. It's like every, every policy of the Democrat Party enshrined in the vast, ubiquitous bureaucracy pushed by the media is intended to destroy America as is. Whether it's the classroom, whether it's immigration, whether it's our economic system, whether it's our constitution, whether it's our minds, with the censorship on the internet and on, every damn piece of it is intended to bring this society down. That's that party. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin'. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. 
Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. CNN, Don Lemon, they're worried it's like the 1950s with the book banning going on in Florida. That's right. Your kids should be able to see everything and anything. Book banning. Let me ask you something, Donnie. How many school libraries carry American Marxism? How many school libraries carry liberty and tyranny? How many school libraries carry unfreedom of the press or men in black? I'll bet none or very few. I don't want to hear about book banning from jerks like you. All of a sudden you're concerned. All of a sudden the media is concerned when the books we know are filthy, perverted, hate. We get enough of that on CNN, don't we, uh, Donnie? Our kids are going to school. The books need to teach them, not indoctrinate them. That exposed them to the perversion of the left and apparently the Democrat Party. You Democrats, let me be very blunt with you. And what I'm about to say is nothing compared to what's in these books. You keep your penises and vaginas to yourself. Don't put them in your damn books and show them to our little kids. And you keep what you do with those tools. You keep those to yourself, too. Nobody wants to know about it, including me. Nobody. And you keep your secularist hate for God Almighty and faith in your own head. Don't indoctrinate our kids, you jerks. And don't teach our kids racism either. There, is that so horrible? Oh, I'm a book burner, am I? No. They are indoctrinators. They are brainwashers. People who do this are evil. Four letters. No, I'm Biden. Three letters. E-V-I-L. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got an urgent inquiry from John Eastman, one of the lawyers who they're trying to uh, put in Alcatraz, uh, that the state bar of California has acted to initiate disciplinary actions against him. And since this will be all over the media, I feel he should have an opportunity to explain exactly what's taking place here. We'll be right back. Many conservatives don't know that one of the biggest propagandists for President Biden's ridiculously named Inflation Reduction Act was the AARP. AARP, this so-called advocate for seniors, spent millions of dollars on ads and events helping liberals in Congress pass this monstrous legislation. In doing so, AARP provided cover for vulnerable Democrats in the November elections. Why would AARP do this? Possibly for money? AARP has a massive conflict of interest. Over the last decade, they've been paid north of $6 billion stemming from its financial relationship with United Healthcare. 
Then along comes the AARP-supported Inflation Reduction Act. And miraculously, big insurance and their PBM middlemen, like AARP's financial partner, United Healthcare, emerges big winners. Please visit this great website to learn more. CommitmentToSeniors.org. That's CommitmentToSeniors.org. Paid for by American Commitment. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know... People have a right to representation in this country. Uh, They even have a right to representation if they're accused of mass murder and there's a video of it and DNA and fingerprints everywhere. And people have a right to representation if they're a president or a former president and they're challenging the outcome of an election. Now, I want to read something to you that John Eastman put out this evening in response to an official act by the California State Ethics Bar. That is the Bar Association, or the Supreme Court, I guess. He said, in October 2021, a group calling itself States United Democracy Center filed a complaint against me with the California Bar demanding that I be disbarred because of my work representing former President Donald Trump. Like the similar complaint filed against me with the Supreme Court of the United States by a group calling itself the 65 Project, the state's United Democracy Center's complaint is full of falsehoods, but the California Bar nevertheless announced last March that it was conducting an investigation, the existence of which is supposed to be confidential, unless the Bar determines as it astonishingly did here, that the subject of the investigation is a threat to the public. So they're suggesting that John Eastman uh, is a threat to the public. During the course of that investigation, the bar investigators sent me an extraordinary 38-page letter, essentially demanding I provide them with every bit of evidence and communication to support every line and every memo and communication I made, every complaint, and brief I filed on behalf of the president, every statement I made publicly, and every article I published having anything to do with the 2020 election. I provided a fairly comprehensive response of about 100 pages, and incorporating by reference thousands of additional pages in sworn affidavits, expert reports, court decisions, scholarly articles, clearly demonstrating the validity, or at least the tenability, the claims of election illegality and fraud that I was making and the legal advice I was providing. Unmoved by the massive amount of evidence and apparently under intense political pressure to take action against me, the California Bar has nevertheless filed a massive notice of disciplinary complaint against me today, which, like the state's United Democracy Center's complaint itself, is filled with distortions, half-truths, and outright falsehoods. We will respond to each charge in due course, but for now, he has posted uh, the response we provided last September to the Bar's investigative letter and the new release we put out today. 
It will be expensive to defend against this, but I have a top legal team in place beyond my own livelihood and the First Amendment rights. However, this action poses a threat to the ability of controversial clients or causes to have the kind of zealous legal representation that our adversarial system of justice requires. And then he points out you can help fight against this travesty by visiting, and he has a legal defense site, which we will mention uh, at the end of the interview. John Eastman is with us. I'm just going to throw it out there, John. What do you make of this? Well, Mark, it's it's stunning. You know, uh, the 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 cancel culture is now um, gone off the deep end. Uh, it it is now de rigueur that anybody that dared challenge the election and only one election, only 2020. You know, you can continue to challenge the 2016 election. You continue to engage in actual fraud, making making up a Russia hoax uh, without any consequence at all. But if you actually bring to bear evidence uh, that everybody in the country saw with their own eyes, then you're somehow a threat to the republic and unfit to be a lawyer in this country. This is the standard that they're now setting. And it is deeply troubling, quite apart from the the consequences to me personally. It is deeply troubling to me uh, that our system of justice uh, would, would, would even allow such a step to be taken. But you must be physically and mentally exhausted. Your lovely wife must be physically and mentally exhausted. Your entire family. I am assuming you've run through or running through everything you have acquired over the decades. You were a dean of a law school, professor, and established a legal constitutional writer. Um, And then you have people saying and writing things about you. This committee, January 6th, making a criminal referral and uh, your phone taken in broad daylight while you were having dinner there, and uh, and on and on and on. What is this doing to you personally? Well, uh, it's wearing on us, I have to say. Um, but you know me, Mark. You've known me for a very long time. Um, I, I am a, a, a lifelong defender of our Constitution, and what I see happening here requires people with fortitude to stand up against it. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm doing. And maybe maybe my whole life and career has equipped me for handling. I mean, this is this is authoritarianism or tyranny we are confronting and we're staring down. And uh, all of our institutions have, have, are either are either part of the problem or are sitting on the sidelines with very few exceptions. You and a few others uh, in the media, uh, very few exceptions. Uh, and and it is it is a dangerous time. You know, what we've, what we've essentially done here is, is revive the old English law of libel. You know, you remember the line about the old English law of libel? Mm-hmm. Our First mm-hmm. Amendment came up with the idea that truth is a defense. Well, in old England, truth wasn't a defense. In fact, if you were saying things against the government and pointing out, uh, you know, uh, dangerous and illegal uh, actions of the government, the line was the greater the truth, the greater the libel, because it called the government into disrepute. We seem... Mm-hmm. To be adopting that that model, which our First Amendment was explicitly designed to overturn. The more I speak the truth, the more aggressive they get at going out against me. And uh, it's it's uh, well, we all have to we all have to stand up. We've got to what what's what's um, Patrick Henry's old line? Um, These are the times that try men's souls. Most yeah. people remember that. They don't know the second line. Thomas Paine criticizing. Thomas Paine. What did I? Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. What did I say? Right. He's he's criticizing people who would be 
summer or fair weather soldiers yeah. <laughs> only only engage in the battle when there's when there's a, no cost to it. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a deep, deep deep cost here, and we all need to understand that. What is this group, States United Democracy Center? Do they file complaints against everybody or just certain types of people? Well, they they, they were the first out of the box filing a bunch of complaints. I think the, the, the effort got more formalized with the creation of the 65 Project, uh, which which laughingly calls itself a bipartisan group because this you know vehemently anti-Trump Republican named Paul Rosenzweig is is on their board, uh, but but th- this is this is lawfare to a level we've never seen in this country before, and they are they are not just trying to win legal arguments, they are trying to destroy any lawyer that dares uh, argue on the other side uh, to deprive. I mean, this is not just my First Amendment rights, but but any of my clients' Sixth Amendment rights. They're trying to tra- deprive people. Of, of, of the right to zealous counsel uh, in, 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 in defending their own causes uh, in the courts of law and, and to send a shot across the bow to any lawyer who would dare take on any of these matters in the future, that we're going to destroy you, we're going to make your life miserable. Is it really worth it? And then you'll find that nobody wants to step up and you won't have people get the kind of representation those kind of cases require. So what happens now in California? Well, we uh, we have 20 days to file an answer, which we will be doing vigorously. Um, we have then uh, some very limited discovery, and then there's a trial. And all of this has to happen within 120 days or 125 days. The rules of evidence are relaxed. They can uh, put in hearsay evidence, as the January 6th committee has done uh, ad nauseum. Uh, but we're going to we're going to fight this. And our hope is that the California Bar Court judge who gets assigned to the case uh, understands uh, what's at stake here. The rule in California is even a, even if you're taking positions that you don't think are going to prevail, uh, uh, it, 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 as long as <laughs> as long as they are tenable. That's why that word is in that press release. As long as they are tenable, it's not grounds for disciplinary action. And I provided the bar a 100-page response when they first started this investigation, documenting every piece of evidence we had that, that not, only, not only easily clears the tenable hurdle, but quite frankly, warranted investigation, warranted court action in the various places where these cases were filed and never heard. Um, I mean, what we've got here is a complete attempt to shut down any any challenge, any any thought of even raising a challenge or or suggesting a challenge to the vid- validity of the election or the validity of election officials altering state law and acting unconstitutionally in how they conducted the election. I'm uh, curious. Uh, any support from the ACLU or the defense bar or anything of that kind? Well, I, I will say uh, a, a, a person who's joined my legal team is a former member of the board of the Massachusetts uh, Civil Liberties Union, Harvey Silverglake. Uh, Harvey's also the author of the book, uh, Three Felonies a Day, How the Federal Government Targets the Innocent. Uh, and he's on my legal team. Uh, but uh, no, I, 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 haven't, I haven't heard from any of the current leaders of the ACLU or any of these civil libertarian groups. Because uh, you know, of course, uh, Trump. Uh, it's it's a as as a good friend of mine says. Well, it's Trump law. If it, if it involves Trump, 
There is no law. Well, let me ask you about that. They're going to randomly appoint a bar judge, and that bar judge is going to be under immense pressure, isn't he or she? Well, he is. You know, uh, just as recently as yesterday, there was a major article in the Sacramento Bee, uh, you know, demanding that the California bar uh, take action against me. And, uh, you know, and that's been, you know, this kind of drip, drip, drip. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. 1,300 leftist lawyers signed a letter uh, some months ago saying why we don't have Eastman disbarred yet um, for giving legal advice. Um, which easily, I mean, you know, I mean, imagine, imagine, uh, uh, you know, the, the lawyers involved in, in Bush versus Gore who were pushing legal theories that had never been tested before. And because they had never been tested, well, there was no foundation or precedent for it. Should they all be disbarred? Or hell, how about Hillary Clinton, who continues to this day to, to make false claims about the 2016 election? Uh, you know, I don't I don't see anybody lobbying to have her disbarred in New York or Arkansas or wherever she's a member of the bar. I mean, this this level of double standard uh, cannot be tolerated uh, if if we're going to have a true adversarial system in this country. Boy, this is so dangerous what they're doing. It is absolutely unbelievable. They're doing it to you. They're doing it to Giuliani. They're doing it to I think her name is Ellis. They're doing it to whoever they can. Um. And this is really uh, also part of an intimidation effort, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. Because, you know, imagine you've got a, a small thriving practice and and uh, a candidate for governor in your state uh, sees some wonky things going on with the election and wants you to, to bring an election challenge, knowing that you're likely to, you know, have all your other clients uh, cancel you and, and face disciplinary proceedings. Are you going to take on that case? Like that, 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 this shot across the bow against the legal profession. I mean, it used to be, think about John Adams, you know, our second president Mm -hmm. defending the British soldiers in the Boston massacre, uh, because everybody's entitled to a defense. Uh, that, that, that old rule, that old, that old model of, of the nobility of the profession is completely gone when we see what's going on here. Mm Mm-hmm. If people want to help you in the audience, because this stuff costs a ton, where do they go? They can go to our Legal Defense Fund site, givesendgo.com slash Eastman. What's it say? What is it again? Givesendgo.com forward slash Eastman. And we're, One more we're time. regularly posting updates there. Give, send, go dot com forward slash Eastman. Mm-hmm. All right, John, I'm sorry you're having to go through this. Um, well, well, Mark, my friend, thanks for putting me on and talking about this. Uh, we, we the, the more we shine light on this, the more likely we are to prevail. And I think it's extremely important for the long term, uh, the long term survival of our judicial system, quite frankly. Well, I haven't been shut down yet, but uh, I don't, uh, anything's possible these days. It's unbelievable. John Eastman, you take care of yourself. Thank you very much, my friend. All right. God bless you. I haven't talked to him in a very, very long time. I think the last time I spoke to him was on this show, Mr. Producer. He's under enormous stress, I'm sure. You know, he could lose his career and his livelihood. He could lose his freedom. 
They're already trying to destroy his reputation. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Very sad. Very, very sad. Meanwhile, a man, in my view, who should be disbarred by the California bar, Adam Schiff, for so many reasons, um, he's going to run for the Senate now. He's announced. And only in the Democrat Party can somebody like this actually have a shot of being a United States senator. You got this, this guy, George Santos. Don't get me wrong. This guy is a strange dude. Looks like he's he's lied through most of his life and all the rest of it. But look at Schiff. Schiff was chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. He lied. Why do you think Pelosi went to him and away from the Judiciary Committee? So obvious. Media were all for it. It was leaking to the media. The phony whistleblower worked with his staff. He helped set that whole situation up. He lied about Russia collusion. He lies all the time. He's a, uh, he's a slime ball. But, of course, the California State Bar doesn't have a problem with that. And they don't need a complaint to act. All they need to do is see what we see in Adam Schiff. But that's okay. That's okay. He was just chairman of the Intel Committee. And now he wants to be a senator says our democracy is at risk. This is Schiff. Because GOP leaders care more about power than anything else. You believe this, a-hole? And because our economy isn't working for millions of hardworking Americans, we're in the fight of our lives. A fight I'm ready to lead as California's next U.S. senator. He tweeted this. And of course, uh, this jerk wanted to be reappointed to the uh, Intelligence Committee. Can you imagine? The Democrat Party does not police itself. If it did, you know, half of them would be in prison by now. And uh, he would replace, or whomever gets elected, Dianne Feinstein, who apparently is roaming the halls of uh, the House of Representatives because she doesn't realize she's a senator anymore. Democrat Party's good at that, too. And I want to remind you about Mitch McConnell. We had a senator from Mississippi, Thad Cochran, who was actually a very nice man. But towards the end of his life, he wasn't with it. And he ran for re-election, and conservatives were challenging him. McConnell throws money behind Cochran. Cochran wins. 
And Cochran votes the right way because they say vote yes, vote no. He wasn't with it, but McConnell didn't care. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The Mike Levin Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. I think you got your money's worth tonight, folks. Been very important, I think. I have only... uh... What do I have? Much less than half an hour left, but I I didn't want to miss this. This is from a site called 1945.com. It's pretty good. You don't always have to agree with it, but it's pretty thorough. And this is a piece by Mackenzie Eaglin. The U.S. military is in decline. Cutting defense spending would be a disaster. I'm going to fight cuts in defense spending tooth and nail behind this microphone. Federal government has one responsibility, and that's to protect us. That's to secure the border from foreign enemies, from people who are pouring over the border, and from threats from within. All the rest of it doesn't mean much to me. This is its priority. This is its number one job. As House Republicans continue to bandy about a major cut to the U.S. military's budget for next year, She talks about one voice of reason explain why that tired and non-strategic approach only serves to hurt the troops and harm our strategic position in the world. And she points to Cornyn, who is not a uh, very good voice. But anyway, the 1990s peace dividend provided cover for a very real procurement holiday from which the U.S. military has never fully recovered. The lapse in military modernization was followed by a hollow buildup for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, which was then bookended by the Budget Control Act era and sequestration under McConnell and Obama. The result is a smaller, older, less ready, but more expensive military. America is confronting its own diminishing combat power alongside shrinking conventional nuclear deterrence. Not only is our military superiority in decline across the armed forces and domains of warfare, but we are outmatched by potential enemies in some specific operational challenges. And compounding the problem is that our decline has been underway for some time. Four years ago, the 2018 National Defense Strategy said America's competitive military advantage has been eroding. Under a decade ago, 2014 National Defense Strategy Commission found America's military superiority, the hard power backbone of its global influence in national security, has eroded to a dangerous degree. The bipartisan commissioners said the convergence of negative trends has created a crisis of national security for the United States, quite possibly an emergency. In 2010, the Quadrennial Defense Review Independent Panel said in no uncertain terms that similar issues raised in the report were sufficiently serious that all 20 commissioners believed an an explicit warning was appropriate. They said a train wreck is coming, Given the aging of the inventories and equipment used by the services and the decline in the size of the Navy, escalating personnel entitlements, overhead and procurement costs, and the growing stress on our forces. 
The 2010 body concluded that the consequences for a business-as-usual attitude towards their findings was not acceptable. Yet business-as-usual seems to be the approach du jour for military investments over the last few decades. These disturbing trend lines were obvious each time Washington has voted to cut defense spending without strategic forethought or rationale. And the House may be set to do it again, but this time in light of an unforgiving history and lack of margin within the force to do more with less without severe consequences. And I am concerned about this. Given the wearing state of our defenses and in, in industrial capacity, as well as the rising number of and severity of challenges around the world, why would House Republicans arbitrarily pick a top-line budget number that is not threat-informed? What took decades to create will similarly take decades to undo with a robust defense spending that is predictable, consistent, and on time. Nor is a $75 billion cut to the military's budget even what's really on the table. The 118th Congress charged with funding the military for fiscal year 2024 and 2025. This year's budget is settled, overwhelmingly voted upon. Returning to 2022 spending levels for 2024 is much more than a $75 billion cut for the U.S. military. The U.S. Republic, House Republicans is proposing a defense cut well north of $100 billion. Once more accurate, inflation data is available. And the resort of this would be near immediate and create a force that is immeasurably smaller, less capable than the one we have today. The one we have today. Please don't fall into this trap, ladies and gentlemen. You're hearing it from nudniks and boneheads. When will it end? It never ends. The United States has been in battles and wars ever since its founding. Prudence makes sense, of course. Prudence is applied. What to fight, what not to fight. What to avoid, what not to avoid. Peace through strength. That's what Reagan said. That's what Trump said. And Trump tried to build up the military, but the Democrats blocked him from building up more than it should be. We're falling behind in naval ships, hardware, and capabilities. We're falling behind our Air Force. We're falling behind on our Space Force. We're falling behind on our recruitment. We're falling behind. The Chinese are gearing up for war. It's never been more clear. And it's been clear in different parts of our history, but it's more clear now than ever. The target for China isn't Europe. It's not even the Pacific. It's not the Middle East. It's not Africa. It's the United States of America. They have an economic military plan to cut us off and choke us. That's what's going on in the Pacific. They have a military plan to counter us. That's what's going on in Western Africa. The Panama Canal and other sites in our hemisphere. Remember the Monroe Doctrine when John Kerry threw it out? Well, where is it? If no party's going to fight for our defense, the Democrats or the Republicans, we the people have to do it. 
This is defunding the military. Every bit as you defund the police. I don't support defunding the military. And I don't support defunding the police. Do you? Well, Mark, what about Ukraine? What about it? What about it? Would you rather us fight in Poland? When we have to send troops and the Air Force and everything else? Because they're a NATO country. And a lot of wars have started in and around Poland. And over Poland. Did you not read what Putin said? Ukraine was the icing on the cake. He intended to cut through Ukraine and go into Eastern Europe. And not just Poland. The Balkan states, Romania. He wants all those countries back in the Russian fold. How do we know? He said so. So, no, we cannot cut our defense. And the main reason isn't even Russia. It's China. It's China. Notice Mitch McConnell doesn't talk much about this. He's been the Republican leader for 16 years. The longest-serving Republican leader. In fact, the longest-serving Senate leader in the history of the Senate. He's been in leadership for 20 years. Is the nation better as a result of Mitch McConnell in leadership in the House, in the Senate? No. Is the Republican Party? No. Is the military? No. Is immigration? No. No. Not at all. Well, this is something that I hope we can unite on. Don't be suckered. The number one responsibility of the government is to protect we the people. It's not to redistribute wealth. It's not to create more programs. It's not phony climate change where they're destroying our economic system. It's not critical race theory. It's not the teachers union. It's not the federal bureaucracy. It's none of that. And China's watching. And they're doing more than watching. They're stealing our technology. They're influencing our academia. They're already at war with us. It's a cold war. I've talked about this for years. We're already in the middle of a cold war. I don't want to hear about endless wars. This isn't about an endless war. This is about protecting the American people. I don't want to hear about neocons and uh, these cons and uh, the military industrial. I don't want to hear about it. Put the facts on the table. Stop with the bumper sticker labels. I say this to people on radio and TV. Use your heads. Stop being so stupid. Because you know the pablum you're spewing is in fact pablum. Doesn't mean you have to be Lindsey Graham. It doesn't mean you have to favor intervention everywhere and anywhere. That's stupid too. But to ignore communist China, that is suicidal. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My entire life I've dealt with the pacifists out there. They used to all be Democrats. Now they're Democrats and Republicans. Well, you didn't serve. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the whole goal of having a kick-ass military is so nobody gets killed. That's the goal. The point is to make sure the men and women in uniform who are in all places all over the world have the best backup system, armaments, the best military on the face of the earth. And so my response to that is, yeah, and neither of you. And you would understand that those men and women in the field, they expect their country to support them with the very best. Stop trashing our industries that come up with the technologies that the Chinese and the others steal from us. Stop trashing our industries that make it possible for our men and women of the field to defeat the enemy. But there's a new generation of schmucks and punks who think they know better. They have new thinking, don't you know, like Marxists. Like Marxists. Let's go to, what did I do here? Len Paducah, Kentucky, the great WKYX. How are you, Len? I'm doing fine, Mark. Thanks for taking the call. I need yes, an sir. education, so I called. It's the best teacher I know. Uh, oh, thank you. Can is Congress revise the procedures for the district court systems, the federal mm-hmm. is district court systems, to is it to sign these high-profile cases out to different district courts where the juries are not so biased? First of all, that's a great question. And secondly, yes, Congress can do that. I mean, they'd have to write it in a way that uh, that is, you know, able to be interpreted and understood. But I actually like that idea. Well, That's a great idea, Len. I agree with you. They would pass a new Judiciary Act. They've passed them all through uh, the existence of our of our uh, of our government, and they would lay out how these kinds of cases, not the result and all the rest, but where the the jurisdiction and the venue, mostly in this case, would be the venue. That is where the case would take place. Why not? I think that's a great idea. I didn't know if they could reassign a venue like... They can't reassign case for case, but if they pass uh, as part of the uh, next statute that deals with the judiciary, a process or standards by which that is done, they certainly can. All right, Len, good point. Thank you, my friend. Let's go to Rod. Halsey, Oregon, the great KLU, K-L-O-O. Go right ahead, sir. So, so Mark, you're my con- uh, constitutional expert. And what, what I, I, I think your analysis of all these uh, legal issues are really good, like the, the attorney that you had on a little Running bit ago. out of time. Let the shoe drop quickly. Go. What, what is missing from all this discussion, and you've had bad bosses in your, in your past, I'm sure. What, what, what all of this stuff... These, all these programs, all these laws and everything are administered by people with their, with their greed and their arrogance and their, uh, you know, do what right, I tell you. Right. Because What's I your do question? It. Quick. So my, my uh, question to you is, how do we reach the masses as opposed to preaching to the choir? Well, what do you want me to do? Well, you're doing a fabulous job. Okay, I but want- where do you want me to go? Where do I find them? 
I I don't know. Well, I, I don't know either. To do that. <laughs> if neighbor speaks the neighbor, we're an army of tens of millions. That's the only way we do it. I can't take over all the television networks. I can't take over the thousands of radio stations. I can't take over all the publishing houses. How do I reach people that don't want to be reached or I don't even know are out there? And why is it on my shoulders? Why doesn't everybody out there talk to people in their communities and in their neighborhoods, in their schools, in their social groups, their churches, their synagogues, their mosques, and spread the word. That's the best way to do it. Bottom up, middle out. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker friends, and the men and women in Ukraine and Taiwan. We wish you freedom fighters Godspeed. And I will see you tomorrow. Take care.